0: Claim this discount by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join PhotographyCourse.net and capture more than just a moment. This episode is sponsored by PhotographyCourse.net. Our 365 Days of Photography course is now live. This is an amazing opportunity for you to grow as a photographer. My teammate, Kevin LJ, has produced this course in a step-by-step format, which is very easy to follow. He presents it in bite-sized lessons, each with a practical challenge. You'll learn and practice a new aspect of photography every single day. If you've been wondering how you can improve your photography without having to commit time to long lessons, this is the course for you. We've designed each lesson to be around five minutes long, and you can spend as much time on the challenges as you like. There's also a friendly forum where you can share the photos you take and get constructive feedback from others on the course. Kevin's professional photography experience is extensive. He covers not only photography essentials, but also many genres of photography throughout the course. You will learn far more about photography than simply how to use your camera. For our listeners, we are offering a very special discounted price of $99 instead of the launch price, which is $149. The final price will soon be $365, so make sure to take advantage of this great deal today. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com 365 to claim your discount. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I talk to Candace and Ryan Dyer, who are a married couple who are both photographers and they both specialize in landscape and wildlife photography. I had so much fun talking to them about their relationship, how they met, their different styles, and so much more. Please enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Please introduce yourselves to the listeners.
1: Hello, I'm Hi. Candace Hi. Dyer from Seattle, Washington, and I'm a nature, uh, landscape, and uh, conservation photographer.
2: I'm Ryan Dyer, and I'm her husband. <laughs> <laughs> awesome
0: introductions. Well, Candice and Ryan, it's it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. This is the first time I'm interviewing two people at once, and so I think it's a very special episode for the listeners. So what camera equipment do you use?
1: Uh, so we're both Nikon shooters mm. uh i'm actually i'm shooting with the d750 i know that you know there's this push for the latest and greatest camera mm-hmm. like i don't even know what the latest and get greatest cameras are that are out right now <laughs> so i've had that camera now for a couple of years and uh i use both Nikor and tamron lenses i swear by the tamrons mm-hmm. and um i use takina as well mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting
2: i've got a uh, d850 And, you know, kind of focal range from 14 to 300. I try to keep my backpack as light as possible because I'm an old man with a failing back. But um, yeah, I I just simple D850 setup.
0: Yeah, yeah, good equipment. And Candice, I completely agree with you. I'm also not very aware of the latest technology and I feel like it works in my favor, right? Because then you're just focused on what you have and you make the most of what you have.
1: Yeah, it also helps that we're both shooting nikon because we can interchange our gear as mm-hmm. well so yeah and um truth be told i mean a lot of people I, I think out there nowadays probably are sharing iphone shots or phone shots and we don't even realize it
0: <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah it's amazing what we can do now with whatever it is that we have at home it's awesome yeah
2: and, and gear talk to me is just the most boring thing there's so many tech heads out there and they just want to talk about the latest camera stuff and I just can't be bothered. It's it's as important to me as peanut butter. <laughs>
1: he's do. trying to he's trying to tell you he's not he doesn't like have a, a real thing for, for peanut butter. He's not too crazy about it. I on the other hand do. Oh
0: okay. Oh, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> so um Brian, on your website, you mentioned that becoming a photographer led to meeting Candace. I'd love to know how that happened.
2: Yeah, it was many years ago. And just like any modern millennial relationship we met on facebook first she commented on one of my photos talking about albert bierstadt i was like oh she knows who albert bierstadt is a painter from the 1800s and uh and then like any weird guy on the internet i you know commented back thinking she was cute i didn't tell her that but you (laughs) know commented back and we started talking about oil painters and then turns out we had a mutual friend And, uh, yeah, you know, kind of via the mutual friend, we started chit-chatting, and and then the rest is a love story.
1: We met on Valentine's Day, which was not even, like, intentional. It just happened. (laughs)
0: That's so sweet. That has got to be one of the sweetest stories I've ever heard, honestly.
2: It's your modern millennial love tale.
0: (laughs) It's nice, though, because... You kind of bonded over oil painting first,
2: not really photography, right? Yeah. And I've always said if I could paint, I'd throw my camera out the window. Oh, and, uh, really? I'm only into photography because I can't paint.
0: Wow. <laughs> that's a, that's something I've never heard either. That's very interesting.
1: So here's the thing. He probably can paint, and we just don't even know it yet because he's got a painting set sitting in the garage right now, and he just hasn't used it that a certain someone bought for him.
2: I tried to oil paint. You know, I grew up watching Ross, the guy with the afro and the happy little trees. And uh, in, in middle school, I tried to paint. I, I got oil paints and canvases and brushes and I tried it and I wasn't good within the first month. So I gave it up, which is kind of how I operate. But yeah, if if I could paint, I'd definitely probably not be into photography the way I am. Maybe I'd take pictures to paint them later, but um. Yeah, that, that would be my my main artistic outlet, if I could paint. Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I also paint, but I use acrylics. And man, it's yeah. difficult. It's really difficult. So yeah, I understand what you mean.
2: <laughs> yeah, a lot of it does not translate over. I mean, composition, things like that, light, you know, understanding shadows and light and colors. But just learning brush strokes and technique seems impossible to me. So, so kudos to you for learning how to do all that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, definitely frustrating at times. And I understand how photography is linked to that. So that's amazing that you can express yourself through photography and and be creative without getting frustrated by the process of painting.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: I'm not a landscape photographer, but when I do come across a gorgeous location, I sometimes overthink and worry that I didn't pick the right angles to choose from, to shoot from. Have you ever experienced analysis paralysis as landscape photographers?
1: So I have one notable time that I can really remember experiencing that sort of feeling where you just, you're frozen and you don't know what to do was in Colorado when we just had this epic scene unfold in front of us. You know, we had this, the storm was rolling through and all of a sudden rainbows were appearing and, and it happened a few times in different locations for us and So I had that paralysis, I think partially just because I couldn't believe it was happening. But also I was then all of a sudden frantic, like, oh my goodness, I'm in the wrong spot or I'm just, there's no way I'm going to capture this properly. Right. So I Mm -hmm. think usually for me to answer your question, when it happens for me is when I know something I'm never going to experience again in my lifetime, that's just incredible is happening. And I, I worry about capturing it properly I'm just thinking like I'm going to fail at this miserably otherwise I don't worry too much I just um you know I'm kind of carefree about it
2: yeah it's when the conditions get really good and I've not found a composition yet that I start to freak out a little bit Mm -hmm. but then at the same time you this is something I try to do more and more lately is if I've not found a good composition for photo everything is is looking amazing but I just haven't found my shot yet (laughs) Then I'll try to remind myself to just sit back and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. The, the, the first time I went up to photograph the northern lights in Norway, I'd never seen them before, and, and I went up there, and our very first night got incredible skies, you know, filled with aurora, and I had to remind myself to just hey, take a few minutes and just soak it up, enjoy it, and look at it through your own eyes. Oh. But then, uh, yeah, so it's the the paralysis happens more often than I'd like it to Mm -hmm. but I use that to just slow down and go you know what let's just enjoy the moment
1: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: that's a good approach because landscape photography is one thing and it's your passion of course but then you also have to be a human and enjoy the present moment or else you'll just be chasing photographs all the time right
2: yeah and you know the whole reason I think both of us are into landscape photography is it's an excuse to go out and see pretty places If I'm just seeing pretty places through my lens only, then I'm kind of doing it for the wrong reason.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good approach to that, a really good uh, way of thinking. Because if we just think about photography from the perspective of, you know, I have to earn money or I have to take really good, beautiful photographs, then it's just, yeah, it's all the wrong reasons. You're right.
2: Yeah. Although I I still get caught up in all that. You know, I do this for a living. And so you definitely get caught up in the whole, you know, I've got to be producing images. keep my career going and keep bringing money in so it's it's trying to find a balance between those two things
0: yeah yeah that's always an issue for me as well i'm a portrait photographer and i also feel pressured sometimes to take a lot of photographs that are unique and that will appeal to a certain type of viewer Um, so yeah it's definitely in the back of everybody's mind i think
2: yeah I, i definitely think you feel a lot more pressure as a portrait photographer than than we do as landscape photographers that 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 seems like the most stressful type of photography. That is sports
1: And yeah. wedding photography has got to be stressful. Wedding photography? You <laughs> yeah. I think that's why they have dual shooters a lot of times in case that one doesn't get the right shot. They have a backup, right? Or they have somebody else there. Yeah, that,
2: that seems there you go. you're documenting the state <laughs> in somebody's life. If you screw it up, that there's, no, yeah.
1: there's no do-overs. <laughs> I know.
0: I've discussed this so many times with different wedding photographers. I can't imagine how stressful it is and I don't think I would even want to try it because I would just collapse right on the floor during the wedding and cry. You and me both. So you mentioned that uh, landscape photography is a good excuse for you to see pretty places and this might be a very difficult question but what is the prettiest place you've seen so far?
2: The prettiest place I've ever laid eyes on is Glacier National Park here in the states in montana it's the northern rocky mountains it's one of the first places i ever made like a dedicated photography trip to Mm. back almost 15 years ago and i just fell in love with it and i that was also the same time i started really falling in love with photography so well yes it's a really pretty place and i love it and i I still always love going back there it also holds a special place in my heart I guess as long as that sounds but because that's it it was just this pivotal moment in my life where I really started falling in love with photography and travel and and, uh, yeah it's a a real special place to me. I I, honest to God I shed tears every time I leave Glacier National Park and have to come home. That's how Mm -hmm. much I love it there. I shed these very small, very manly tears
1: And you just taking that drive up the going to the Sun Road, too. Uh, every time we go there together, we're both in tears just because it's such a how do you not? You know, you're driving up this road and just mountains everywhere. Um, and it's just awe inspiring. It doesn't, it almost doesn't look real. You know, it's too perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's, where I,
2: place. Mm-hmm. That, that's <laughs> where I proposed to Candace.
1: <laughs> oh. Yeah.
2: Nice. And, yeah, and I sh- I shed some very masculine tears.
0: When I that as well. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. And I, um, Ryan, I understood you completely when you said that you had this association with that place personally on an emotional level, because I think photography is often just about how you feel as the photographer, not necessarily even the photos you're taking, but how you feel your relationship to your subject. So, yeah, it's an important aspect, I think, of photography.
2: Yeah, I, I completely
1: agree. For for favorite places, I echo his statement for Glacier, but it's a, it's actually a tie between Glacier uh, National Park for me and also um, Vancouver Island and specifically northern Vancouver Island that I've seen uh, Cape Scott out there. It's a very different kind of beauty from Glacier. Um, mm-hmm. I think Brian's already spoken about Glacier and enough as far as beauty goes, but um, instead of you know, the rugged mountains, um, it's just this rugged coastal beauty and, uh, very remote to the point where you really feel like it's like a primordial sort of feeling where you, you get a sense of how nature was before humans Mm. and, uh, being in the same area as wolves and, um, you know, wild wolves and, um, and cougars, the highest, uh, I think it's the densest population of cougars in the world. in this one specific area just, I don't know, there's this feeling like you're away from humanity for a while, and it makes you feel very humble.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming that landscape photography is often very humbling, right? Because you're just on your own, you have to be independent and in nature, and it feels so grand.
2: Yeah, especially when you're going on trips kind of out in the wilderness, away from everybody. It's a good way to make yourself feel a little less significant in, in the world.
1: And I think one of the best ways of doing that too is uh, shooting the Milky Way at night. I mean, just going out to like a place here a few hours away from us, Mount St. Helens, shooting the Milky Way at night, um, sitting, you know, getting your own little spot and um, taking time to look up at at the stars. And that just makes it, if anything's going to make you feel small <laughs> and insignificant as a human, it's that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, but it's insignificant in a good way, right? Because you feel like you. Are connecting with nature, and it's not like you don't matter, but it's that you are so in awe of everything around you.
1: Right, right. Yeah,
2: it's it's humbling. It, it, you know, there's no ego that goes into it. It's just you and this beautiful place, and just for a, a little while, life back home in the city is is drowned out. It's just you and and the landscape
1: and observing wildlife too, just seeing them going about their normal habits. You know, they're just trying to survive. And um, I think that's extremely humbling. You know, there's, we're sharing this planet with other life forms that are really just every day. All they're trying to do is survive. That to me is extremely humbling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of wildlife, Candice, you focus a lot on wildlife photography. Your photos of wild animals are absolutely stunning for the record. Do you come across these animals randomly when you take photos of landscapes or do you purposely plan them beforehand?
1: Thank you. By the way, so far it's been it's been totally unplanned. So mm-hmm. I'll go to a place and just stumble across wildlife. And by the way, I don't feel I'm very good at all with it <laughs> so far. <laughs> so you saying that, that that makes me, you know, that, thank you. But I, I think Ryan actually has way better wildlife shots than I, he's got this stuff from Africa that I just feel like with anything I will ever do to shame, but I've come across some animals out in the wild that I felt like it was a really special experience at the time. Like that meant more to me than shooting the landscape by far. And up until now, while it's been accidental, I've actually decided to kind of shift focus and I'm planning out, you know, some trips in the future that re- revolve around wildlife. You know, next month I'm, I plan on going to shoot the, the foxes on uh, the San Juan Islands, um, the fox kits go and, and hunt in May, and and I'm looking forward to to trying to to take some photos of those. And it has nothing to do with the landscape when I go. So yeah, that'll be upcoming to answer your question for planning anything.
0: Yeah, it's very exciting. I look forward to seeing those photographs. I'm curious to know. Both of you focus on landscape photography, and Candice, you just mentioned wildlife photography. Are there any other genres that you like to play around with sometimes?
1: Um, I've been asked before by people to do portraits of them. And while it's not something that I greatly enjoy, I love seeing other people happy about it. So I I did a maternity shoot for a friend. And uh, it was two summers ago. And I, I also did another shoot of her with her family. And I've been asked a few times just by people here and there to do some some portrait shoots. And it's not something I would ever pursue doing. But I love making other people happy. And if somebody asks me, then I'll do that sort of thing for them. And just seeing their reaction is what makes me happy. Um, But I would never want to do it professionally because it's the pressure (laughs) that's in that. Um, I think the biggest thing aside from wildlife that I'm trying to to get into more is macro shooting. And Ryan was kind enough as a birthday present to me last year to get me a macro lens. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I'm really trying to dabble more in that and see what I can do. I think, uh, you know, I haven't done a whole lot yet, but my goal is to get a really good images of, of hummingbirds. And I think so far I've shot dragonflies with it. So not, nothing major, but that's an interest of mine.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I really have no interest in anything other than nature photography. I, I can appreciate all sorts of photography, but I've never been intrigued enough to dabble in it myself. I'm really a good nature photographer. And so nice. if, I, if I tried anything else, I, I'd feel like I was fading miserably. <laughs> yeah. if, he's,
1: if he's barely good at nature photography, I don't want to know what I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's nice that you guys are very supportive of each other, obviously, but I just I, I didn't expect you to be so supportive. That's something that I feel is quite unique and, and unusual uh, in today's modern world, which I Which is inspiring to me, and I'm assuming that you support each other very much, especially when it comes to social media, because we all, as people and as photographers, tend to compare ourselves to others, especially when it comes to our work, and we tend to feel insecure. So it's great that you two are both photographers because you understand each other and you can relate to each other when it comes to those problems, right?
2: Uh, Yes, but also no. (laughs)
1: It's
2: it's double edged sword being married to another nature photographer. It's great because we can relate to each other with our photography. And we understand when we want to go shoot something, we can be supportive in in giving each other feedback on photos. But at the same time, it can be a little bit difficult because when we go on photography trips, we both have very different ideas about what we want to shoot. And so it's a matter of balancing what she wants to shoot versus what I want to shoot. That way, we're both at locations we we find interesting, you know. Because I I'm very picky. I'm I'm not a great person. <laughs> I like I like to do what I like to do, and if it's not something I like to do, I think it's stupid. And so I have to keep that in mind when Candice wants to do something that I think is not cool and i've said okay yes let's go shoot that it'll be a blast
1: and let's keep in mind too that i've pressured him into going places where he's taken incredible shots that he never thought he would have ever have gotten i'm just going to put that out there that's
2: also very true <laughs> yeah that's also very true and you're you're lucky i let you make that point
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah kudos to you candace that's amazing yeah i understand well, that. i think
1: yeah, there's a thought that he gets in mind. Uh, this the whole thing is tunnel vision, I think is the word. That's the term for it's tunnel vision, where you have a, a thought in mind and you just kind of hone in on it, but you're not thinking about all the possibilities, right?
0: Right, right. Yeah, you just focus on that. And that's your only destination. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's- It's good that you support each other. I mean, I feel like even though you are different in that sense, and I read in another interview that you, when you do go to a specific location, sometimes you go your separate ways and you just focus on your own thing. I think despite that, you still complement each other. As Ryan said, you, you know, Candice, you help him sometimes, and to to have less tunnel vision, and I'm sure he helps you in many ways too. So uh, I think at the end of the day, there are probably more pros than cons to having a, a, a partner who's also a photographer.
1: Yeah, and. You know, we'll be, we'll often be at a location, and it's just kind of like this understanding we have where we'll just do our own thing um, because he'll be gravitated to one scene and I'll be gravitated to another. And I think that's good because I don't want to duplicate everything that he does. You I know? don't
2: ever really recall the time you and I have shot side by side.
1: Yeah, it just, it almost never happens. Even, um, you know, if there's some sort of obvious epic scene in front of us going on that you, you know, absolutely have to focus on no matter what we're still shooting it in a different way. You know, we're not on top of each other with our tripods. I can't remember that ever happening.
0: Our 365 Days of Photography course is the ultimate learning experience for new photographers and even those with some experience. This course presented in bite-sized lessons teaches you step-by-step the essentials of photography and beyond. Get your discount code by visiting greatbigphotographyworld.com slash 365. Yeah, I respect that. I think that's, good because you do have your own individual styles and it's better to kind of have your own little world as a photographer to avoid blending into somebody else's
2: yeah we we don't want to have the same photographs and just be the same photographer as as one another
1: exactly can get boring i think i don't know like i just uh i think it would i don't know i mean i'm sure it's it's good for a lot of people to do the same things um but I think it's good that because we he'll he'll help me see things that I never would have thought I could see. And I think hopefully vice versa, you know, maybe sometimes I'll catch something that he wouldn't have seen. So,
0: yeah, you're both masters at editing photographs, but your approaches are different. I'd love to know what your individual editing styles are are like.
2: Um, Mine is it doesn't (laughs) focus on realism necessarily. It's not documentary photography. You know, like I said, if I could paint, I'd throw my camera out the window. I can't and so I tend to take a more painterly type of approach with my editing Mm -hmm. Um, you know as far as the way I handle light and atmosphere things like that Um, I'm constantly manipulating light in my images manipulating atmosphere for dimensionality it's a ton a ton a ton of dodging and burning Um, a lot of dodging with color to to enhance light things like that you know I'll spend seven hours working on a photo where I think canvas is, <laughs> is less likely to spend that amount of time on on an image. Mm. Uh,
1: yeah, I think that uh, the reason I wanted Ryan to go first for answering this is because he he is the editing master. So when you say that we both are, I can't help but chuckle, but thank you. I just I really don't feel that I'm a master with it at all. Um I've got a lot to learn. He he actually, uh, you know, I'll have him look at a lot of my images when I think they're done. I'll ask him for feedback because I know how good he is. But I also, I'll be blunt, (laughs) I don't enjoy spending a lot of time editing. I much prefer being outside. Um, And I think a lot of people feel that way, but I don't like spending a lot of time in front of the computer. I think it's because I'm also working as a marketing manager as well. So I already have to spend a lot of time in front of a computer screen and so my outlet is being in nature, right? So I won't spend as much time editing, but what I'll often do is edit for something that I really want to turn out very well that I you know, am confident is going to be what I think is a good shot. I'll spend a couple hours on it and then I'll stop and then I'll come back to it a day or two later and I'll work on it a bit more then go back to it a bit later, a bit more. And I think that that's the best process for me is to kind of break it up into different sessions. And then also it's good because I don't have tired eyes looking at an image because I often will screw it up.
2: (laughs) I I take that approach too a little bit. I'm different in Candice in in that half of the fun about photography to me is is the edit. Mm -hmm. I do agree that you know when I'm spending seven hours on a shot, your eyes get biased, you know, and so I'll finish a shot, think it's good, come back and look at it a couple of days later and go, what was I thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then just kind of recalibrate my opinion on the photo and, you know, keep working on it. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely think your eyes get biased when you're spending that amount of time working on a shot in one sitting, if that mm-hmm. makes
0: sense. Yeah, they get tired and biased at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, you do something called light contouring, right? You mentioned dodging and burning. That's light contouring, right, in, in essence?
2: Yeah, so it's dodging and burning and the dodging is with color and it's dodging through various luminosity selections. So I can select uh, I, I don't know if people listening to this are familiar, familiar with luminosity, but um, if you're not, go to goodlight.us and, and you can read about them there. A guy named Tony Kuiper invented him. He's a genius. But um. The luminosity selections allow you to make selections based off of the tonal values in your image. So say you wanted to make a selection of a range of lights in your images and not have any of the darks or midtones selected. Mm. Uh, it allows you to create this perfectly feathered uh, mask to where you can manipulate anything through it. You know, if you wanted to change the colors of those tones, you could change the colors If you wanted to up the saturation or if you wanted to adjust the contrast to just the highlights of your image, Mm -hmm. it allows you to do that. But a lot of what I do is dodging through these luminosity selections to enhance light in my photo. Mm -hmm. Um, So if if there's light hitting a mountain and it's very subtle light, I, I can dodge that out and make that light stand out more. I can enhance shadows quite a bit. And so that's what a lot of my contrast work is. It's, it's not big global contrast adjustments. I don't just go into curves and crank the contrast. It's A lot of it's done with dodging and burning to enhance shadows, enhance um, light sources. And uh, yeah, that's my goal for creating kind of depth and atmosphere in my shots.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw a before and after image on your website. And honestly, now that you've mentioned oil painting, it does seem like your photographs look like oil paintings, so you essentially just paint over your photographs in a way, whether you're conscious of it or not.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely conscious of it. And it's not for everybody. I understand that there's there's a lot of people who are much more conservative with, with their edits. And I have more respect for them than I have respect for myself because they're able to create insanely good images without you know the amount of editing that I do. But, um, yeah, it, it all originates back to me wanting to be a painter and not being one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, interesting that you have different editing styles as well. Candace, I think I'm more like you, where I, I work uh, in front of the computer for hours at a time. So when it comes to editing, I would rather be shooting than editing. But I do <laughs> enjoy color correcting, <laughs> to
1: be honest. Yeah, it's, um, I think a big part of it is just making the time to do it. You know, I have to be disciplined and make sure I put time aside to do that when often I'd rather spend that time outside. And that's why I have, you know, a backlog of like 100,000 images that I have to go through still. Uh
0: (laughs) Does Ryan ever edit your pictures on his own? Does he ever offer to do that?
1: Uh, No, it's, uh, what often happens is I will finish an image and then I'll say, what do you think? Or, you know, what do you think? Or I'll say something looks off here, but I can't figure out what it is. And then he'll come over and I know that it looks good if he barely says anything. But I'll be honest, I'm pretty sensitive to criticism. I'm getting better with it. I used to be really bad about it, but I'm getting a lot better with it. And I, you know, because I realized that what he'll show me, it's like, yeah, that's definitely better. Like that, it's better if I do that. But sometimes it also, you know, because we have different styles too, you know, he, he tends to gravitate more towards like darker moody type of stuff. And I enjoy that. And I've gone more that route with some of my stuff, but, but that's not like, I don't know how to, to say it. That's not fully my style. Right. So, and I don't think that's a bad thing uh, because I don't want our photos to look exactly like either. You don't
2: like my work is what you're saying. <laughs>
1: i've already said that you're the master at editing so but yeah i mean it's about wanting to have i don't want to have the same style as him either you know so Mm -hmm. and i don't think there's anything wrong with that you know he recognizes that we have different personal tastes and styles but i value his feedback because i know that he's going to make like tell me what uh, makes my shot look better
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I feel like a lot of photographers are sensitive to criticism, myself included. I think especially if a family member gives you advice, then you sort of get defensive. I don't know why that reaction happens. Yeah, <laughs> just,
1: it's, it's um, you know, I actually, um, this probably sounds silly, but I value my daughter's feedback. I'll take I'll tell her to look at a photo. And if she likes something, then, you know, and she's blunt and honest, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll know if something looks kind of stupid because she's just like, oh, that's nice. But if something's really eye catching to her, then she'll tell me. So it's kind (laughs) of neat seeing it from a mindset of a teenager. (laughs) I I think
2: critique is very important as an artist, but I think the source of the critique is also very important. It has to be somebody you trust to give it to you straight. It's got to be somebody who you think is skilled enough to give you feedback. For me, I've always had, you know, when I got into photography, I met a friend, Miles Morgan, and he's a better photographer than I am, but he also shoots very similar to me. Mm -hmm. And so I'll always ask him for feedback because I know he shoots very similar. He'll give me feedback that I trust because it's coming from a source that it's a person whose work I really admire. And so I don't have thick skin when it comes to stuff like that. From him because I I know it it's going to be solid advice. So, mm-hmm. but I I can't stand unsolicited critique from random people on the internet. I think that's just rude. You know, if, if you post your photo looking for critique, I, I you know I think it's welcome. But I I don't like when you post a photo and somebody you never talked to before in your mm-hmm. life decides to break down your image and, and kind of mm-hmm. give you advice that you weren't looking for
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, that's why I, I would never critique anybody's work unless it's explicitly requested um i just i think it's kind of a an asshole move you know
1: and i'm not a very critical person as far as that type of thing goes which is he'll usually just ask me how do you think this looks or um how do these like which version do you like more he'll show me two different versions of his photos and i'll tell him but i don't get Really critical about it. Like I won't analyze the whole thing, which is why he's got this system going with <laughs> with other photographers that he trusts. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense, and I, I understand what you mean completely. Speaking of uh criticism, uh, do you often get that from people? You mentioned that unsolicited advice. Does that happen to you guys often?
2: It's not often, but it happens enough that it it's annoying. And and it's not even when it happens to me. It's when I see it happening just randomly on Facebook or on Instagram or 500px or 1x. Um, you see somebody post a photo that they really like and they're proud of. And some random internet stranger comes in and starts giving advice like they are the authority on photography. And it's it just, it always comes across kind of crappy to me for, mm-hmm. for people to behave that way.
1: Yeah, for me, the most annoying thing is if I've shared an image of uh, what's obviously a sensitive, fragile location, and I don't put where it was taken for that reason, and somebody asks me exactly where it was taken, even though, you know, even if in the caption I say that I didn't put the location for a reason, <laughs> um, I'm not going to geotag something that I know is a sensitive area because then who knows what'll happen. You'll have 100 people there, right? And, you know, trampling all over it. so. That to me is extremely annoying when people are, or especially if they don't even comment on the shot itself. They're
2: mm-hmm. you know, like,
1: oh, this is good or bad or whatever. They're just like, where was it taken? Where is this from? That's really annoying. It's like, make a little bit of effort and maybe figure it out yourself. Or also just, you know, like be intelligent enough to realize that Maybe I'm not sharing that for a reason, right?
0: <laughs> well, it makes a lot of sense. And speaking of fragile places, uh, Candice and, and Ryan as well, you both focus on nature conservation in your work. Uh, I think that's a very important topic and something that landscape photographers and photographers in general should discuss more often. What is something that every photographer should know about it, and how can they help?
2: Um, I don't. Candice is the one who is the the big conservationist in the in the household. Um, <laughs> You know that that was never my intention when I got into photography. You know, but the, my my intention was always just see pretty places, take pretty pictures because it makes me happy. But um, you know, if it, I've always looked at it like if I share a picture, somebody likes it, wants to go see that place, and then they see that place, love the place, and want to protect the place, then by proxy, I I've done one little. Tiny rice grain of good in the world, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, he, he, candace is more of the, the hardcore conservationist.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm hardcore in any kind of way, but uh, conservation to me is at this point the most important part of photography. But it didn't really start out to be that way at all until a couple of years ago uh, that I really dove more into it. It's it's because certain places were at risk of disappearing. Are being harmed, um, like the Arctic Refuge uh, as an example. And prior to that, I really didn't think that in my lifetime they could ever possibly be harmed. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think what's really important for every photographer uh, to answer your question is to think about the fact that more than likely places that you love to go shoot at exist at all in good part due to the work of conservationists advocating for them and making a strong case to have them protected. Uh, Mm -hmm. To begin with, you know, when you're out shooting, try to comprehend that that place, you know, wouldn't be around if it wasn't for those sort of efforts. Um, These places are vulnerable, they aren't completely safeguarded against certain interests who see them as nothing more than money bags and waiting to be exploited, whether that's for oil and gas, logging, developments, you know, Mm -hmm. it goes on. And to answer the question of how you can help, um, one of the best ways is helping out in your local community, you know, whether that's cleaning up at just a local park or a beach, um, that's making on a hands-on effort. And it's, it's great because you can actually say that you, Hey, I, I made a difference. You know, that was me. Um, another way is spreading awareness when certain wild areas or wildlife are at risk, you know, just, if you know what's going on, just tell people, you know, um, because a lot of people just aren't aware so, um, you know, people knowing that they should be protected, that means that uh, the more people know, the more likely they'll be protected. Yeah, that's a very good point.
2: Liberal hippie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is that ultimately having, uh, and I'm not going to get political, but ultimately having leadership that champions conservation rather than resource extraction is that's also obviously of utmost importance. So, um, you know, voting for leaders who care about conservation and recognize that making public lands as a solution to climate change and species loss, that's extremely important as well, because it starts from the top.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, those are really good points. And it's nice that to know that uh, anyone can make a change just by doing these small things. Like even if you can't donate a lot of money to organizations, you can just go out and, and help clean a park, for example, as you said. So it's good to know.
2: A, a drop in the bucket still the
1: pocket, you know? Yeah, it's, you know, there's, um, the thing is, just do a quick Google search, too. I think a lot of people aren't even aware of the fact that there's organizations in your local community that you can just go, they're always looking for people to help out. Earthcore, the Nature Conservancy, Sierra Club, all these places will gladly take volunteers to come and help out. And for kids in school, too. You know, that's, it's, it looks great on, on school transcripts to do that kind of stuff, volunteer. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, I wasn't aware of some of the points. It's so good, very good to know all that. Okay, Candace and Ryan, my last question for you is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world?
2: Wow. <laughs> in the whole great big photography world.
1: Have world domination, Ryan?
2: <laughs> no, it's too easy. Um, I just want to keep learning and growing the cool thing about art in general it doesn't matter the medium you'll never get as good as you'll ever be you never reach a pinnacle with art there's always something new to learn you know, boundaries you can push and skill sets to acquire um, you know for for as long as you're into that art form and so for me it's just about keeping excited enough about photography to where I'm so excited to learn and grow and find new ways of doing things and new images to make, um, new ways of composing, new ways of editing. Um, you know, it's it, I've been at it for 15 years now, and I still learn something new every day. And so, my goal is to just keep learning stuff new every day because that's what keeps me excited about it. You know. Mm.
1: And when you say achieve, I think probably what comes to people's minds is like you want to like win an award or or get to a certain level or something but um I think about locations and places like what's the one thing you want to achieve um I really more than anything want to see uh, the great Bear forest in my lifetime mm-hmm. and just to see certain areas that I haven't seen while I'm here on earth so I think for me that's an achievement is to be able to see the areas that to be able to travel to the areas I want to see the most.
0: Those are very beautiful goals and I am confident that you will both be able to, to reach them. And thank you for sharing your photography wisdom with us. I appreciate it very much. And I I learned so much about both of you and yeah, I'm even
2: more inspired by your work. I I wouldn't call what I do or what I said, wisdom, maybe candid. (laughs) I'm, I'm a big dump, so I, I apologize to the audience.
1: I just rambled on about conservation as all, and I don't think I should have. But
2: <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no <laughs> you, you were funny,
0: you were uh, entertaining and knowledgeable, and so uh, all of that I think is a, is the best mix for for an interview.
2: Well, you've been a great host. We, yeah,
1: we really thank you.
0: It. Thank you too. This is the first time that we had two guests on the podcast at once, so it was an honor for that to be Candace and Ryan. I hope you had a lot of fun listening to their interesting stories about photography and getting to know them better as people. See you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get
2: 50% off your first year as a premium member.